Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Business of Fitness podcast with me, Molly Herford. Thanks so much for joining me. Hopefully you've had a great vacation week, week that was relatively low-key, whatever your holiday looked like. Hopefully it was exactly what you wanted, and hopefully you were hitting 2024 feeling rested, rejuvenated, or at least just very excited for the year to come. Uh, hopefully you listened to my episode a couple weeks ago talking about how I do goal setting and what it looked like, uh, you know, which is a little bit different for me this year with my new small business. And hopefully it gave some people some food for thought. Uh, thanks so much to anyone who shared it. I saw a few of those go through. Really appreciate anytime you're sharing the podcast. Uh, and thank you for anyone who has uh, dropped into our survey, uh, which you can find the link for over on our Instagram or in the show notes of this episode, uh, just to let us know what you like, what you want to hear more of, uh, and really just where you're at with your business. Uh, and speaking of where you're at with your business, today's episode is for anyone, whether you're hoping to create your own business or you're just looking for your dream job in the fitness and outdoor space. We are talking about how to get or create your dream job with Ali Carr and Jenna Selmer of Basecamp Outdoor, which is a newsletter, Facebook site, uh, really just kind of like great ecosystem where they're sharing really cool jobs in the outdoor industry and trying to help people find those dream jobs. Uh, it's honestly, it's one of the coolest newsletters I've ever been subscribed to. Uh, even though I am not currently looking for a new job, I have been reading that newsletter for Pretty much since it started coming out, I've been part of the Facebook group, and I think what they're doing is just amazing, especially when it comes to helping people, uh, you know, specifically people of color and women find these jobs, because as a lot of us know, uh, a lot of these outdoor industry jobs, it's all about, you know, who you know, and knowing a friend who's doing this and that kind of stuff, and they're really breaking down that barrier. So we talk all about how they got it started, what it looks like working together, and the cool thing about them is unlike a lot of uh, people who go into business together, they really weren't friends beforehand. I mean, they weren't mortal enemies, obviously, but uh, they weren't close friends starting a business together. They really were figuring out a lot of this stuff as they went along and they've done such a cool job and built such a great thing. Uh, and I talked about it last week, but I deeply love Jenna's best advice uh, for you know being more active on social media her Instagram is awesome I love it so much definitely go follow her I'll include links to her Allie and Basecamp in the show notes uh, but her thing about uh, being embarrassed <laughs> being embarrassed is something you can opt out of so you can just opt out of embarrassment I love and everyone who listened to my episode a couple weeks ago knows that my goal for this year is to do more video content because it makes me very uncomfortable very embarrassed but it's also you know, where things are going. So that's where we're at. Hopefully this episode inspires you whichever direction you are hoping to go in 2024. Without further ado, let's hear this chat with Allie and Jenna. Thanks for tuning in. All right, Jenna and Allie, welcome to the Business of Fitness podcast. I'm so excited we are finally doing this. We are stoked. Yes. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So before I hit record, I was accidentally starting to ask about if the, uh, all of the job postings on Basecamp Outdoor start to uh, get to you since you, you're seeing all of the coolest things that are available in the outdoor industry coming through your, you know, basically into your inbox. Um, yeah. How is that? Do you ever feel tempted to leave it all behind and go take a job at like one of these remote outposts where you're 
you know, working at a <laughs> well, national what you're park. actually getting at is the origin story of Basecamp because it uh, came to be at a time when I was unemployed and looking for work in the outdoor industry um, in kind of a media creative realm. I'd already been a writer and an editor in the industry, but there was no place to find jobs like that anywhere. Everything was uh, much more corporate and in-house at brands or sales reps. And so I started Basecamp. I brought in a bunch of writers I knew in the industry and uh, PR folks and asked them to throw jobs in and thought, hey, let's all leverage each other's networks. Why don't you invite 10 people you know who might enjoy this? And they all did, and it started to grow. So we went from 200 people initially to now we're over 60,000 in the group. And if you bring in our social channels and uh, newsletter audience, we are over 200K. That is amazing. (laughs) Do you remember like the first few job postings that you did have or like any of the weirdest job postings that you've had? Um, I definitely found kind of some crossover, like adventure travel job postings on LinkedIn that I would throw in the group. I can't remember specifically what they were initially, but you know, ones that I was like, Ooh, this would be amazing if I didn't have children and could take off, uh, to explore the world a bit more. But Jenna, what are some of your favorite bizarre? I know you learn about a new job, like every week through this. I literally do learn that a new job or company exists every single week, which is if, if everything is coming across your desk and you're learning something new every week, that means subbing the newsletter is important just to keep apprised of how the job market is evolving. But some of the most memorable jobs I would say are the ones that do make me want to throw it all away. And it's like, oh, be a manager at this pristine campground in Maine and get to live by the ocean. Or there's been a couple, I think they're kind of marketing sense, honestly, but hey, they're paid and you're traveling around a van in all of the US and being an ambassador for a company with a partner. And it's kind of living that nomadic dream. And then there's just ones that are, so impactful and they're like a sustainability manager or someone helping promote more equity or, you know, somebody designing plus size clothing for a company. So really shifting the culture of the industry and having, you know, you get to maybe create a legacy program. There's so many jobs like that, that we see. And I would say, I, I don't, Basecamp, we have Allie and I curated a dream job for ourselves. So no, never want to leave base camp, but I would say more so in the group that we facilitate and the conversations there, there's constantly a new problem that we want to solve with base camp. And that's where I usually need to be held back. And Allie usually needs to say, Jenna, why don't we wait and, and not do that yet and think about doing that later. But there's so much potential, so many problems to solve. It's, it's super fun. Oh my gosh. Okay. I love this. And we have to dig into the, how you two work together. But first to come back, when did you figure out that this idea actually had had legs and would be an actual, like, oh, this is the job versus the like kind of using it to like maybe source a few jobs for you and people that you knew. (laughs) Yeah. So 
from about 2017 to 2019, it really was a labor of love and just something I was having fun doing. Um, the group was growing slowly and also like kind of maintaining itself. So I did have some jobs in there that I was doing and Basecamp was just like a fun thing on the side, but I always knew there was a business model in there. I just didn't know what it was. And I kept kind of poking at different people who I thought might have ideas. Um, and then I decided I started doing a post called cool jobs of the week where I would throw in like my 10 favorite jobs of the week. Um, and they got a ton of likes, like people really loved these little roundups of jobs. And then I was like, huh, this could potentially turn into a newsletter where people could pay to post jobs. So I started working with a business coach and came up with the newsletter. Um, and it actually is not that different from how it is today. Um, at the time it was, we didn't have a premium version of it. It was just the newsletter. There were maybe 10 to 15 jobs in it. Um, it was sort of like an expanded version of cool jobs of the week and brands could start paying to post jobs in there. Um, and then from there, things started to take off and kind of grow and, and, and mature as a business. Okay. And then Jenna, when do you enter this picture? How did you two end up being the masterminds here? I was working at the Olympic committee and I joined Basecamp as a person. I was on Facebook. It got recommended to me. I was working as sort of an accidental outdoor influencer. I would say just, just promoting stuff on my Instagram. And I was like, can I do this full time? Um, would never want to now, but anyway, came across Basecamp, joined it, had a pretty long corporate career in which I learned to navigate the systems that were set out, especially as a woman and just found that I organically give very good advice on that topic. So I was in Basecamp. I was active. I was answering a lot of questions from folks. I was contributing meaningfully and Allie was like, Hey, do you maybe want to help me admin this? Which is very cool. And I was like, yes, I'm here all the time. Anyway, I was absolutely loving the community and all of the questions. And I was learning so much and providing help, which was, I love to do that. So I said, yes, absolutely. And then just in conversations, when we were talking about admin policies and things like that, which again, we were both just doing for free. This was our hobby or, you know, like a volunteering thing. Um, we learned that we worked really well together and Allie told me about her idea for the newsletter. And I was like, brilliant. Um, let's, let's see what we can do. So, um, we organically just learned that our, our skills and our attributes pair very well. We're both exceptional writers. We're very, very good communicators in different ways, I would say. And then other than that, I am a little bit more enthusiastic about an external community facing role. And Ali is very, very good at operational things. So we fell into a rhythm. We communicated well, we respected and trusted each other. And I think we both just felt safe trying things, which is really important on an entrepreneurial journey and being agile and understanding that we can use the data that we get, which we have so much of in Basecamp, and we can use it to serve the community better. And it's just been working. It's been absolutely lovely. Oh, I love that. Okay. And then Allie, do you think, I'm kind of like, this is a very leading question here, but do, do you think you could have done this like solo? Or do you think like at some point you like needed a Jenna here? 
I don't think that base camp would be what it is without Jenna. Yes. Could I have run a newsletter with jobs, um, you know, that exist as it is like, yes, I could. But what Jenna brought to base camp was definitely so much more, um, let's see, just nurturing the community, bringing in a lot more of the voice around, you know, the social activism, the the industry change that we'd like to see, um, being a champion for, you know, um, all of our members from marginalized communities. Um, And not that I wasn't those things, but I wasn't as outwardly spoken about them as Jenna is. And so she really championed all of those things. And that really gave Basecamp more of a personality um, and a place of its own in the industry. So sure. Could I have continued to put out a jobs list? Absolutely. Would people have subscribed? Probably because they love outdoor jobs. But we really became much more of a whole entity and, and, uh, um, yeah, a whole entity and it own part, like base camps, its own person, uh, because the two of us combined. And I mm. think that Jenna would say the same if you asked her if she could run base camp on her own. Yeah. And I, I agree. Like, I feel like I probably could, but I also feel like I would crash and burn without Allie because there's been so many times that she's pulled me back or helped me see things from like a higher level view, or maybe said like, maybe let's look at the PNL and decide what we should be doing next based on these facts and these data instead of emotion. Like I am very emotionally driven. I see something out there and I just, I'm a bleeding heart and I want to help. And it might not be the best use of my energy. So I, this co-founder relationship is probably one of the best I've ever seen. And I'm so proud to be part of it. And I would love to just say that part of that is because again, we respect and trust each other, but I feel completely safe saying to Ali, I'm struggling. I need some extra time. I don't like something that's happening. Anything that gives, you know, that little weight on your shoulders that you sometimes get in business can be voiced between us and it's a safe space. And there's never been a conflict. There has been some dialogue. It, there's been like a one or two uncomfortable pieces of dialogue where we didn't fully agree. But at the end of the day, we both agreed we are going to have a unified front about this. And there hasn't been any big problems. It's just been like kind of minor things. So I'm very proud of that. And the success of Basecamp is that's the foundation of it, truly. And our ideas are both so good. Like we're both such smart women and we enrich each other's ideas so well that it's, it's an, it's an amazing, beautiful thing. I truly am, feel so grateful every day to be, you know, a co-founder with Ali. I just, I love so much how you just like owned that. You're like, yeah, we're really awesome. We're really (laughs) good at what we do. And that makes my heart just like freaking sing. I love that. (laughs) Okay. Now the reality though is you two live on opposite sides of the country now. So what does, like, what does the communication look like? Are you working in, in Slack and docs? Are you on Zoom or FaceTime all day? How does this like practically work? Because I do think it is like, it's super cool to me that you aren't in the same place. And it's not that you were best friends growing up and went to elementary school together. And like, that's why you had to start this thing together. It actually was, you know, more of a, like this actually just fit from the business standpoint. And clearly you two get along fantastically, but like, it wasn't like a going into business with my BFF kind of situation. 
Yeah, actually, I'll tell you the first time I ever met Jenna, I picked her up from a goat farm in near Ventura or on the way to Ventura, California. So just heading north from LA. And we were going to the Patagonia campus to record our very first podcast in person at Patagonia. And so if there's no pressure there, I don't know where there is because we were like, okay, nice to meet you. Let's go record the biggest podcast potentially of our career. Um, And you know what? Like it, it's, it worked, but in the, in the day to day, yeah, we're on Slack, we're texting, we pretty much see each other every single day on zoom. We have one-on-ones about three to four times a week. Um, and then we also have meetings with other folks, um, where we see each other and, and get business done. I think Jenna and I are both incredibly efficient. So we go into a meeting, we kind of get down to business, but we also take a step back, you know, when we see it's needed, we will skip meetings if one of us needs to, you know, not have a meeting or have some rest or whatever it is. We can be entirely candid about the reason. Um, and then in our team meetings, we always start the meetings going around and doing check-ins with everyone so that it's much more about how are you doing? Okay. If you're not doing great, like get off the call and go take care of yourself because we don't want you, you know, using your energy and time to be here if you're really struggling and we all struggle, we all have those moments. So like, we just try to recognize that and make sure that everyone's taking care of themselves and speaking up when they, when they need support. Love it. Love it. But we are a really great example of how a remote workplace can flourish. I think that the fact Ali is on Pacific time, I'm on East coast time. So there Mm -hmm. is a three hour difference, which at first felt maybe challenging. However, no, I only have to do meetings between 12 and five Eastern. That's beautiful because I get mornings to myself, which I cherish. I also get time to do heads down work, which is kind of an important thing when you're running a business. And we've had employees, actually our dev team is in like South America, I believe. We have employees uh, across the US that we've hired as contractors. We had someone in Argentina, Chile, I believe. Uh, Panama actually. And so it works out great as long as people are willing to get their work done. And I think, especially at Basecamp, everyone just loves our job and is motivated to get their work done. And we're not babysitting anyone. So as long as you've hired people you trust, the remote workplace is the best case scenario for everyone. Because like Ali said, there's just times when you're like, I'm tired today. I'm not going to do my best work. Let's not do this meeting so that I can get my stuff together and be really ready or, Hey, let's not do this meeting because I'm in a workflow right now. And it would be more productive for me to keep doing this, whatever it looks like. So we're, we're huge fans of this kind of dispersed workplace. Yeah. And the time difference also gives us the advantage, gives me the advantage of having the afternoons free. So I have three kids and I can jump in and to childcare as needed. Um, and I'm fortunate to have that time with them, you know, cause they're growing up so fast. Um, and then having actually the time difference really works as well for like newsletter production. Our newsletter producer is in, um, New Hampshire. And so she is on East coast time. She's prepping that newsletter. She's got a few hours ahead of me on, you know, Wednesday mornings to kind of tidy things or finish what she needs to. And then I can hop in and it's ready for me to go. So that time disbursement works better potentially than someone who's here in California. Love it. 
And I want to kind of come back to something you both kind of said at the start, you know, the newsletter started as this free thing, you know, free Facebook group. And then Jenna, you mentioned, you know, you kind of came on because you were just in there actually just participating and like commenting on stuff. And I think that's just such an important thing. You know, a lot of people that listen to this, they want to start their own small business in sort of this fitness outdoor industry. And I think there's something to be said for this creating free content and contributing free content, like to the, the, you know, things that you're excited about. Absolutely. Like you hear all the time, provide value, provide value. Well, what does that look like? It looks like showing up. Actually, what you're doing is leveraging something called extrovert bias. People that can see that you can do something are able to trust it. Um, You're demonstrating on like in real time that you're able to do something. People are seeing you. They will remember you. They will associate you with that expertise and they will think of you when uh, perhaps they're hiring for something like that. So it's really important to be showing up. And if you want to, you know, create a new business, if you want to be a freelancer, if you want to be known for something, you have to talk about that thing. And it doesn't matter where you do that. I would say the most important thing is that you're doing it in a place that brings you energy and doesn't drain you. So if a podcast delights you to produce, that's great. You should do a podcast. If you're really happy showing up on LinkedIn, that's where I love to be. You should do that. And LinkedIn comments are one of my superpowers, I would say, because I'm able to be thoughtful and engage with people and network with them in a kind of a low risk environment where it doesn't feel like, oh man, like, let me do this post showing my expertise. Let me just hear another person's post. So um, yes, I would say just showing up and talking to people and building relationships, which feels, or it maybe seems scarier than it is in the real world, which is just go to base camp comment on a couple of posts, let people know what you're up to participate in the Friday break, which is just you getting to celebrate yourself, which none of us do enough. That's enough. That's how you can start. And that's how you can meet new people and build relationships, which is networking. That's what it is. That's, that's how we roll out these dream careers. We just start with a conversation. Mm-hmm. And I love you mentioned extrovert bias, which is absolutely true. And the internet has made it so much easier for those of us introverts to uh, actually still take advantage of that bias because we can do it, you know, from behind our screen. <laughs> I am an introvert. Fun fact, by the way, I recharge alone. I need the time. I need like one day a week to just rot yep, um, same. and stay in my bed. And then I can have the energy to be out in the world, but yes, find your way that gives you energy. There will be a way for you to do that and communicate your value and try a couple different things till you get there. Cause if you're applying for jobs and you can't communicate your value, you're going to have a really hard time. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, Allie, for you, you know, you were working with a business coach when you started the newsletter. So talk me through the decision to have the, the free newsletter, a free Facebook group. Because, you know, some I, you could see someone looking at that and be like, what's the business model here? How is this going to work? Yeah. You know, I think without the community, we wouldn't exist. Yeah. And so for us, it's a matter of always offering resources and thinking about the community first um, and giving them a reason to hang around, you know, and then folks who are really serious into job hunting can upgrade and pay the $3 a month, which is 
you know, quite low um, to get our more robust newsletter and have more resources. So we've started to draft out, you know, our business plan into the future. When I say business plan, I use that loosely because we actually don't have anything like formal in writing, <laughs> but um you know, everything going into the future will also have a free component so that everyone has access to it. Everyone can utilize it and can then upgrade if they want to. And we will always provide, um, you know, a free pathway for folks of marginalized communities because we want to see that diversity represented across the industry. It makes us all stronger. It makes us all better. Um, and so it's so important that you know, everyone can be included and everyone can show up. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, you know, I, I completely understand the no formal business plan because like, let's be honest the way technology is changing right now. You're like, I don't know next year. Like I might actually just be a robot. So it's very hard to like make a call where, where the world is going. Um, so yeah, what do, what do your like brainstorming for the future sessions look like? Especially you know between the two of you, do you have time? You know, do you have time during the year where you sit down together like in real life and talk through stuff? Do you have like a doc that's like random ideas? Like how do the big decisions happen here? Uh, well, often over text, I'll be like, oh my gosh, I have this brilliant idea. And like, then we don't necessarily pivot immediately to doing that. But um, we have sometimes to we do know sometimes <laughs> immediately, and we can roll stuff out really quick. It's if we're both enthused, we can do it quick. But yeah, it's not all the time that happens. Yeah, we we definitely one of the things I've always done with Basecamp is kind of follow the energy. Like, where am I most excited about doing something, and where am I seeing the excitement from the community, and what feels like the easiest flow and the least friction? So let's follow that and do that. And that may not be the path to like building the most successful tech company that then sells for a bajillion dollars. Um, but that is, you know, the way that we're currently working, we're not working strategically to necessarily build the most monetarily valuable business. Um, but we're working in a way that we both feel excited about. We're both, you know, going down a couple of different pathways that each of us is excited to tackle and we keep our eye on priorities. So, We've sort of outlined a few priorities for this year. Of course, each of them has several priorities within them, but we do try to stay focused. And as other ideas come up, you know, I, I'll kind of repoint us back to we're focusing here right now. Let's stay here because they're building blocks, really. These the things we're building out are foundations to then move us to the next level where we can then focus on other ideas. Love it. Love it. Uh Okay, kind of shifting gears a little bit. We did have to push this podcast back because you finally had, you had a big in real life event happen when we were so, when we had originally thought about recording it. Tell me about the event because I mean, I think a lot of people assume online business has to stay online, but it seems like you've kind of really figured out a good balance of like mostly online, but with the odd fun in real life thing. Yeah, we have several types of events. So we do have in-person events. We have virtual events to bring the community together. Um, and over the years, our events have grown and grown and grown until this last one, which was at Outdoor Retailer. Um, and 
we had, what was it, Jenna, 1800 people RSVP'd for this party that we were throwing, Yeah, which was the night one official party of Outdoor Retailer. Outdoor Retailer decided they didn't want to host a party. So they came to us and said, would you be willing to host this party? And we'll, you know, kind of partner with you on it. It was actually a really big learning moment for us because we had about almost 900 folks who actually showed up to this event. Um, It was the biggest thing that we've ever produced. And it was wonderful. I mean, people had a great time, but Jenna and I, or I'll speak for myself, I left there feeling like my cup was not as full as other smaller events that we had hosted. And so, you know, we went back to, to meet maybe a couple days later. And I just shared that sentiment with Jenna and talked about, you know, how did it feel for her and, and what does 2024 look like for events? So it was great. We had a blast. A lot of people had a blast, um, but it was also just interesting to see that it wasn't providing the most optimal net optimal networking for folks. Um, it wasn't, uh, you know, giving them the ability to really have meaningful conversations and connect and push um, careers forward or, you know, meet potential people to work with or partner with. So that's kind of, that was kind of the event and how it shook out. Jenna, do you want to add anything? Yeah, I think it was kind of a mini symptom of just like you said, Ali, I finished that event. And instead of being like, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of that event. I was just like, I'm so glad that's over. I'm so tired. Um, And I, I, I was like, okay, what can we do next time? And Ali was like, I never want to do that again. And I'm like, I also never want to do that again. Okay. Um, (laughs) And I think it's the same sort of thing as we are not as interested in VC capital as maybe we could be for a tech company, but that's because a, we make a lot of decisions that are more based, like Ali said, on ethics and serving our community versus making sure a shareholder is happy. And at the end of the day, we do want to continue making decisions that, and creating programs that truly fill our cup. I mean, that's why both of us left the corporate environment. That's why we like the entrepreneurial lifestyle. We have the opportunity to make impact. That is what makes us happy. And we're both smart enough to monetize it appropriately along the way, but sitting down and this is something, an ongoing conversation, but sitting down and being like, is this a lifestyle business or are we designing this to sell eventually? What is our actual goal? What are, how much money do we want to be making at the end of the day? What do we need to do to make that much money? Should we be hiring more people? Things like that. Those types of decisions. Um, We have been doing little conversations along the way. And I think that we both agree on stuff and probably with the launch of our tech, that's our next step is to sit down again and be like, okay, how much money do we want to be making? What is our goal at the end of this? If we get an offer to buy us out, which has been happening more and more, at what point do we consider that type thing? And those are the questions that you really have to have trust in your co-founder to navigate, because if you don't agree on those for some reason, it's going to be a tough road. Yeah. Ooh, that is, yeah, that is so interesting. And it's funny, I've been talking to more and more people about that, like lifestyle versus like building to sell conversation. And I mean, I think three years ago, we'd be having very, like we were having very different conversations because like VC was super trendy and there was just so much money everywhere. Uh, And now people seem to be realizing like, oh, you have to pay that money back, number one. 
and and number two like oh maybe i don't actually want or need like a huge exit this might just be better as like a comfortable lifestyle business so it's it's really cool that you're like thinking that through Spotify just laid off 1500 people because they did take too much VC funding and grew too quickly. And it wasn't pragmatic growth. And that's a really scary thing. And again, we made a lot of money from that event that we're talking about, but we were both like, did we serve people in the capacity that we could have, or that would have been ideal or the most on brand, or that made us feel the best and everyone else feel like they really got something out of it. So again, that's just data though. And Mm -hmm. It's great that we have it. And now for 2024, we're being extremely deliberate about events and they will be more intimate and they will serve specific groups of people that really do deserve to have some attention. Love it. Love it. Um, and kind of continuing with this this VC thing, we sort of alluded to it earlier, you know, seeing all of the jobs come through, you are getting to see sort of you have your finger on the pulse of like what's happening in the outdoor industry, like who, you know, what type of jobs are hiring, that kind of stuff. So where, where are we now? Right. Like the U S economy seems like it's a, it's a bit of a cluster, um, politely speaking. Um, but where's, where's the outdoor industry? Where, where are the jobs? What sort of interesting areas of growth? What, what trends are we seeing? Well, we always, you know, since since COVID hit, obviously lots and lots and lots of digital jobs um, as, you know, many web skills as you can have or digital merchandising, e-commerce, um, those types of jobs are coming through quite a bit. Um, in addition, we're seeing a lot of sustainability jobs. A lot of companies are starting to think about, oh, we need to figure out how to do this in a way that, <laughs> you know, is sustainable and um, can last. So it's really cool to see those positions coming through because those are super important positions uh, for our planet as a whole. So um, those types of positions are coming through. We have no shortage of job postings coming in. There's no dip. It's in fact quite strong right now. So from a um, job job market perspective, I you know I I don't see a real dip currently in um, outdoor industry opportunities. I'll just add to that that we there's a couple of reports out that I highly recommend people go see that the outdoor industry, the recreation economy, is a trillion dollar contributor to the U.S.'s GDP. And if you really go into that and look at which activities are providing the most, um, it's really insightful. And one area is travel and tourism, which definitely is part of the outdoor industry. But I think the people that are really looking forward and understanding, well, people want to travel, they want to get outside, how can I marry those things? Or how can I, you know, enrich uh, my business or my livelihood through the knowledge that people love adventure, and they want to feel comfortable and welcome doing that adventure? you know, there's an opportunity there because people are spending money on those things. So, you know, going into that data, but what Ali said is absolutely true. We don't see dips. Jobs are constantly coming and maybe the industry changes a little bit. We're seeing a lot more um, like e-bikes, e-motorcycles, things like that. Those are new ways for people to get outdoors. The whole overland community is booming. RV is a huge business. Um, You know, bikes will ebb and flow, 
water sports will ebb and flow. Different types of gear are popular some years and some not. So I think it's really savvy for people to pay attention, but overall the number of jobs pretty steady. Nice. That is very good news to hear for whether someone is looking for a job or thinking about starting their own business. It's good to know that our industry is still crushing it. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So other than obviously subscribing to the newsletter, uh, best advice for someone who is looking for a job in this industry. And Jenna, you gave some awesome advice, you know, around providing value, but any other, any other tips as far as like, as someone is job hunting here? Yeah. So definitely get subscribed to our newsletter. And now is a great time to join premium. Uh, We are going to be launching a new job board next year that will have candidate matching technology. So brands will post jobs and will receive a, a sort of a drop of candidates that will match what they're looking for. So that will get you know, folks who have criteria, who have profiles, um, a much better shot at getting their name and face in front of a hiring manager. Um, And in order to, you know, access that benefit, our premium members will, that will be part of their membership. So um, anyone who is currently a premium member at $3 a month will get to continue at that price. Uh, for life, or if they unsubscribe, then that will end that. But basically, now is the time to get in because we will be um, raising the price when the membership starts to grow. Holy moly, that is incentive right there. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) There will be other membership benefits as well uh, that we can speak to more in 2024. But basically, this premium membership is about to, you know, bloom. (laughs) Love it. Um, And I mean, when someone does see their dream job now, whether it's, you know, on, you know, just via the free newsletter or in the membership board tips for, you know, I'm sure there's so many members in the community that like any job is getting just like tons of applicants. So how do we stand out? So practically I can give some advice and that is really read the job description over a couple of times. And if there's a word in there more than one time, really root down in that. That is what the hiring manager wants to see. Reference how you can do the work in the resume, making sure it is very clear that what they're asking for in this job description is represented in your resume. And then there is a cute cover letters are very hotly debated. I am a huge fan of cover letters specifically for entry-level candidates or candidates that are trying to break into a new industry where maybe they don't have all of the paid experience. And that's about 65% of our community right now. People that love the outdoors and really want to work here, but maybe have been in tech, healthcare, education, any number of other industries. And really you need to communicate your value. You need to make the hiring manager very confident that you can do this work and that you will save them time and, you know, take things off their plate. And the thing is hiring is very, very exhausting and difficult. So a hiring manager does not have the creativity to understand here's what their resume looks like. And here's what they're able to do if they do not have that experience. So that cover letter is your opportunity to tie together those dots and not make that hiring manager have to like figure it out. Like, oh, here's their potential. Lay it out. Here's what I can do. Here's some examples of my work linked for you very easily that you can just click on. And 
here's the things that you're looking for that I don't have yet. Here's my plan to acquire those skills. Maybe I'm in a certificate program. Maybe I've done some YouTube work. Maybe I've started a project on my own to make sure that I can do this work. And here's the examples of that. And by the way, here are some things that you didn't even ask for. And I can enrich this position in these ways. Here are some bonus skills that I have. That would really stand out to most hiring managers. You're going to make them feel very confident that you can do the job and you know, it's, it's showing rather than telling. I also do uh, pro bono one-on-one sessions and group sessions every single week with job seekers. And I can tell you making sure that you understand that your worth is inherent and you are ready and capable and worthy of that job you want is probably the most foundational thing that you need to do. Because when you get into that interview, your confidence will show or not, even if you're able to write the perfect cover letter If you don't really believe that you're worthy of that job, you're probably not even going to apply, but you're also not going to be able to convince someone else. So, and you are, by the way, this industry needs people from every walk of life, from every background, from every demographic, from every industry before it. We need the contribution of everyone to really make this industry thrive. So would absolutely love to continue seeing women, people of color, disabled folks, people of size everyone deserves to be here and enriches us. Love that. And I think that is, yeah, probably the most valuable message for women. I mean, how many studies do we need to have that point out that you like men will apply for a job that they're like 10% qualified for women. They need to be like 150% qualified for it. (laughs) Yeah. Over and over. And we're really proud of the stat that 70% of base camp is women. So obviously we make folks feel comfortable within our community and we adore that fact. And we're leaning into it actually in 24. Ah, amazing. Now, I think also with your point about the cover letter, I think it's fantastic. And I think it goes to the point of like, not applying for like, just, you know, 30 jobs with your same, the same resume, the same email, where you just like fill in like, dear company name, like for, you know, copy and paste. Um, I think that's what immediately gets you put in like the slush pile versus the Take the time, like instead of sending out 20, take that same time and send out two really thoughtful, well-phrased like cover letters with resumes. Absolutely. And do the work beforehand to know exactly what job you want, exactly which type of companies align with your own values, exactly the type of lifestyle you want to have. If that is being autonomous, if that is working remotely, if that is working with a team or not, know those things about yourself, identify what you want. It's going to be much easier to pursue it. If you have a plan written down on paper or a goal written down on paper, it's also much easier to say, I want to be a graphic designer at Patagonia. Guess what? We can help you a lot more than I just want to work in the industry anywhere. That's overwhelming for people to help you with. So would not necessarily recommend um, being vague if you have the opportunity to narrow it down. So that's some, some internal work that needs to be done before the job search. And I recommend it's almost like therapy, to be honest. So just knowing yourself and being aware of what gives you energy and what doesn't is really helpful in the job search. Love it. Love it. Okay. Allie, you have, as you mentioned, three young girls. You're doing so much different different stuff with Basecamp. I mean, oh my gosh. 
um, and more to come apparently in 2024. So how are you, how are you like keeping, I loathe the word balance, so let's not even go there, but how do you keep track of it all and like attempt to keep most of the balls in the air most of the time? Like what are the practical, like, how is this working? Yeah, it's it's a great question. And I think uh, somehow, somewhere along the way, I've figured out some level of balance. It's not always there. Um, but for the most part, um, it is because I put, you know, a lot of boundaries around my time. Um, I have to specify, you know, here's when I can't work because I'm with the kids. That's on my calendar. Jenna can see all of my calendar items, what I'm doing, where I am for the most part. Um, and that way, you know, we just respect like when each other is not working. And that also means making time for myself because, you know, as much as I can give work, as much as I can give my kids, if I'm not taking care of myself, I really can't do either of those things. So making sure I'm, you know, putting time on my calendar, to work out or to, um, go walk my dog, or sometimes I take meetings while walking my dog. Um, that is often a really good strategy and it actually helps me focus on a meeting because I don't have a million other things on my computer I could be focusing on. Uh, or, you know, even going out and sitting in my backyard and eating lunch. So I know your question was, how do you kind of keep it all straight and productive and all of that? But like, it's actually the opposite. It's like, how do I focus on the things that are not productivity so that I can be really productive when I'm in work mode? Love that. Ooh, that's a good one. Also, yeah. just love that you have everything on your calendar and that Jenna sees everything on your calendar because I think so often we like we bucket stuff where it's like oh works over here and then like my family schedule is completely like no one at work sees that so I think it is like very important to have this like broader view not just oh yeah Jenna work. knows if I'm at Pilates or if I'm in therapy or <laughs> If I am, who knows what else I'm doing at a doctor appointment, whatever. Yeah. And same, like Ali will get, like, I put like dinner on my calendar because if it's not on my calendar, like I'm not doing it. Like I, I will not do anything not on my calendar. So, she, so she'll know when I'm on a date. She'll know when I'm flying, like all of it, it's all there. And like she said, it's perfect because I can just go and be like, Ooh, like what can she do a meeting here? First of all, obviously that's important, but also like, what's her day like today? What's, what's the, is there a lot of stuff happening? And, you know, do I even want to text her right now? Like I'm not texting her during therapy, for instance. <laughs> I love that. That's that. <laughs> good boundary. Good boundary. <laughs> all right. And then Jenna, I mean, I'm, I admit, like I started scrolling your Instagram the other day and I got just like obsessed with it. Uh, how the hell are you making time to do all of those like really funny reels? How are you coming up with those ideas when you already have so much creativity going into everything at Basecamp? And also being comfortable in front of the camera, something I'm trying to work on. How have you gotten there? Hello. Oh, <laughs> you can opt out of embarrassment. You can just not subscribe to that. You can determine if you want to let other people's opinions of you enter into your decision-making or not. So... Once I learned that being cringe, I'm doing air quotes here, can make you a lot of money. I decided that that was not something that I was afraid of. I also have been told now ad nauseum over many years that the things that I have the courage to say out loud resonates with a lot of people 
especially women and especially women of color who don't necessarily feel like they have the opportunity to say that. So you mentioned my Instagram, which is usually just a creative outlet for me being like, I think this is funny. So I'm going to post this and I don't It is very funny. um, But my LinkedIn, I think is even more important where I am fairly polarizing. And I will say things that maybe not everyone can say, they might feel like there's retaliation or, or anything else like that. But it's so important for me to speak up from my place of great privilege, and make sure that different topics are being considered and different points of view. Because what will happen is my inbox right now is a place that I'm very proud to say people are feel safe and comfortable bringing important topics to surface and saying like, this is really important to me. I don't feel safe talking about this. Is it something that you will breach? Absolutely. And so I think that as humans, we all have such shared experiences and really like diving into those pieces of ourselves and being aware of this makes me different. And maybe I've been ashamed of it in the past wait, why am I ashamed of it? Maybe I should just talk about it and find community surrounding it. Maybe it would be better if I said it out loud. Maybe that would take the power away. Maybe poking fun at something would help me feel better about it. Maybe if I talked about something that's getting me down, I will realize I'm not alone and can share this experience with someone else. So that doesn't really answer your question. Um, However, I get a lot of anxiety about social because I'm like, oh, I don't have a strategy and I don't write it down and I don't do it like all the time. And I bet I could have a lot more followers if I did. It's just not a priority for me. I do it when I feel like it. I do it off the cuff as I can. That's what works for me. And it's an outlet. It's truly a hobby. And some things just need to stay a hobby. If I need to make money, I make it with Basecamp. So that's how I approach that. I want to tattoo opting out of embarrassment, just like all over myself, just so I can just relive that message over and over. It truly is. Yeah. Just rooting down in in yourself and what you think about you and knowing that other people's opinions, the weight of them will absolutely crush you. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. So good. So good. Okay. Uh, you have to tell everyone where they can find you. Jenna, let's start with you since we are on the topic of all of your online stuff. So where can people find you and then Basecamp and all of the things? So Jenna from Basecamp on LinkedIn or GI Jenna on Instagram. And that will help you find if you would like to do those sessions for career counseling with me. All of that is linked right in my LinkedIn. Um, we are the outdoorindustry.com is where you can find all Basecamp stuff. And then we have LinkedIn, Instagram, and TikTok for Basecamp, which we would love you to subscribe to Basecamp Outdoor Jobs. And a real hub of our community is our Facebook group. And that can be found if you search Basecamp Outdoor Jobs and more. And through all of those resources, you can find out how to subscribe to our newsletters, our events list, and really get all of those opportunities for enriching your job search sent directly to you for free. Perfect. Allie, where can people find you and any any links that Jenna missed there? No, I think Jenna's got all of those on lockdown. Um, like, that was anyone... just like a solid. <laughs> She's done this before, I think. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Chasing Alley Carr. That's C A R R A L I C A R R. Um, yeah, and uh, and that's where I'm at. So, or on you know, always in the Basecamp group on Facebook. So easy to tag Jenna or myself there. 
Oh my gosh, I love it. Everyone listening should absolutely subscribe to all of the things. Check out everyone. Thank you both so much. This was such a fun conversation. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this was really fun. (laughs) Yeah, we had a blast. Thanks so much for tuning into the Business of Fitness podcast. Hopefully you got a lot from this episode and hopefully it's going to help you with your business in the fitness industry. Make sure you're following along with me over at at Molly J. Herford and at business.of.fitness over on Instagram. Keep up with Feisty over at livefeisty.com for tons of fun stuff. And of course, if you like this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and leave us a rating and review. Thanks so much and we'll see you soon.